This could be for you. Exclamation point. Listeners, I'd like to personally invite you to a very special, very extemporaneous episode of Steve Made a Game Show, otherwise known as Smags. This is a, a bit of a special night for us here today, or morning, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening. This is the regular season finale of season one of Steve Made a Game Show. Now, we may have a couple special episodes that are going to bridge the gap between what we've done here in season one and where we're heading in season two. But first, we really need closure to bring this full circle to where we all began. And we all began on that pilot episode zero, joined by none other than Frank. The long-awaited return and a chance at redemption. Frank, welcome back to Steve Made a Game Show. I come back to you now for the turn of the tide. What the heck is going on, people? Use Tide Pods for washing, not eating. Thank you for having me, Steve. For a flashback to those listeners that have been with us since the beginning, you remember Frank joined us and he was pummeled with a very difficult edition of Steve Made a Game Show, but it was through Frank's endurance and commitment to finishing out the program that we learned some valuable lessons, we reshaped the show, and now we're back and we're here to have a normal season one episode of Smags, just like you'd come to expect, joined by none other than Frank. Frank, you might remember in our first appearance I asked you, what was your favorite Nickelodeon guess game show that you could watch on television? I'd like to pivot now and ask you instead, what was your least favorite Nick gas show that you might've come across? So it's, uh, what was that? I'm, I'm blanking on the name as it is my least favorite. I didn't watch it a whole lot, but it had kids in the title and it, it was an obstacle course, but it wasn't a cool obstacle course like guts. You may be referring to wild and crazy kids, Indeed I am, yes. <laughs> Wild and Crazy Kids had all kinds of, yeah, crazy games. It had um, Donnie somebody. It had Omar Gooding. No Michael Malley or Mo. They were not around. For a second, I almost thought maybe when you were saying an uncool obstacle course, if you were referring to Finders Keepers. I haven't even heard of that, but I already hate it. It was a terrible show that involved them finding hidden objects in normal rooms of homes, and they usually had stickers that were blue and red. That much I remember. Sounds very boring. What doesn't sound like boring programming for podcast listeners out there is this episode of Smags. It's going to be like a normal episode that you've come to expect. We've got three rounds. First is going to be the category round. Three unique categories to Frank that are three questions each, range from 50, 150, and 250 points. We then move on to the persuasion round. Frank's going to be given a prompt. He's going to formulate and synthesize the most compelling argument that he can, and then he'll be awarded points based on that. And then it'll be the lightning round where one given a question, Frank's going to have 45 seconds to rattle off as many answers that fit that question as he can. So Frank, you're an expert at this point. You're a veteran. This is probably going to be old hat to you, but I need to ask, are you ready to play Smags? Never been more ready. So as we begin round one here, we're going to reflect back on your round one questions from your first appearance. And you may know that there's familiarity here. So your three categories are going to be Hey Arnold season two. Tim and Eric cameos. We're looking for actors that cameoed in the show. And your final category, if you recall, you had YouTube songs. Today, instead, you're going to be met with marching band songs. All right. Let's go. Where are we starting at today? 
I'm going to start with maybe the most difficult, save the best for last, and go with Tim and Eric Cameos for 50. Which actor had a guest role as Jeffrey Simmons, a freshman student who was attending Sailing College under the tutelage of Admiral Liebehart? Uh, that would be Jonah Hill. John A. Hill himself. Jonah Hill for 50 points. I am uh, going to continue on this streak and go for the 150 question. Here we go. Same category, 150. There was a segment known as Dungeon, hosted by Richard Dunn, that was an interview centered on a sort of basement dungeon setting. The segment only appeared one time. However, it did have one celebrity memorable guest. Who was the cameo actor inside the dungeon with Richard Dunn? I know who this is, um, but I'm blanking on his name. He was a kind of rock star guy. I know this isn't right, but I, I keep thinking it. David Guerrero? Dave Navarro. <laughs> You're so close and yet so far away. It really was. It's right there, and yet it's just a huge chasm between that and the right answer. You know what? We're going to give you 15 smag coins for just how close it was. It's not the full 150, but it's a 10% courtesy. I appreciate it. Richard Dunn would be happy. We did that one for Richard Dunn. All right, Pete. Would you like to be done with this category after the 250 question? Let's do it. The Cinco phone gave us a revolutionary device in telecom technology that featured only one button for ease of use and two antennas for better reception. Who was the celebrity actor that pitched this product? Alan Thicke. While it wasn't Alan Thicke, we were looking for Ed Begley Jr. I knew it was some old man. Hi, I'm Ed Begley Jr. I want to introduce you to a revolutionary new device, the new Cinco phone from Cinco Mobile. Well, all right, the Tim and Eric cameo actors category, it's behind us. Are you talking to me on a Cinco phone today, actually? It is, um, and I'm also on the internet, uh, the Cinco product. Not to be confused with the internet invented by Al Gore. No, 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 it's not a big truck. It's a series of tubes. Where to next, Frank? So uh, next up, I will, of course, be saving my redemption round for last. So let's go with marching band songs. Marching band songs for 50. The highest-selling digital track by Queen, who, for everyone's information, was the show that we had in our freshman year of band, is Bohemian Rhapsody, and it's one of the highest-selling 70s songs in the digital format. Can you tell me what the band's second-highest-selling digital song is? And it was another one that we played in that season's show. All right, I think I know. We will rock you. We will rock you. We will give you 50 smack coins. Yes! Let's go right up next to 150. For 150, which song featured in our junior year marching band show was also included in a scene in Adam Sandler's seminal comedy, Billy Madison? Junior year of marching band was Sticks. Because oh, this is also a Billy Madison question. This is a twofer that I'm ashamed I don't know right off the top of my head. So this is going to be a guess, but an educated one. Mr. Roboto. Alas, we were looking for Renegade. No! Uh, a distraught Billy is just partying in his backyard while Renegade blasts on with the same sort of intensity that we played as junior year musicians in the marching band. Yes, we rocked it out. We will rock it. We will move on to 250. The World Loves Wannabes. And many loved this song that we played in the stands for only about one season. It begins with the phrase... Gunter Glieben Glauten Globen. What is the name of this song? Pretty Fly for a White Guy. 
You are pretty fly for a Smags player, Frank. That's 250 in your pocket. Yes! So, of course, next is my redemption round on Hey Arnold. Hey Arnold, season two for 50. The energy is palpable. Let's go for 50 here. So, Frank, there's a character that appears in season two who's named Mickey the Weasel. Now, what role and what scenes did this character appear? Tell us and the audience here, who is Mickey the Weasel? I'm picturing the animation. I know exactly what he looks like. Um, I'm trying to remember the episode. Describe the animation. That might help you work through it. Okay. He had, I think, also a unibrow a la Helga and had like kind of a, a hoodie. Um, Everything you've said is correct so far. I'm not 100% sure if this is the right answer that you're looking for, but is the episode where the fifth graders are attacking the fourth graders, there is like a sanctuary for the fourth graders, and Mickey the Weasel betrays them to the fifth graders, and then I think Mickey the Weasel tries to help them kind of escape because he feels guilty about it after the fact. Final answer. Final answer. Cue the who wants to be a millionaire music. You got that one right. That is exactly what we were looking for. Mickey the Weasel was a trusted confidant of the the fourth graders in the episode The Longest Monday. He provided them shelter, the the showers, clean clothes, I think even a psychiatrist. But mistake! Correction here from your Smags editors. It wasn't actually Mickey the Weasel that provided safe refuge for fourth graders. It was the fourth grade student Park. Uh, bonus points if I can remember the psychiatrist. Who was the psychiatrist? It was Stinky. I don't think it's Stinky because he sat in a garbage can the entire episode. Of course, he hid there. Um, either way, that wasn't the question. Either way, you got the question. So we're giving you 50 smag coins. We're moving on to 150. Right on. Kitty, kitty, kitty. Do you want to pet the kitty? There's an episode that revolves around Harold adopting a stray baby cat. What did he name his kitten? Cupcake, because there is a little white thing, a little oval of white hair on his tummy that looks like the bit of cream in a cupcake. That's correct. That was Cupcake the Kitten, with a little homage to Oscar Kakashka's reading about Pet the Kitty book. I picked up on it. Loving the reference. And the last one here for 250. In one episode, Gerald essentially falls victim to a pyramid scheme and he's stuck with a bunch of excess merchandise. What product had Gerald been hawking in that episode? They are watches. They are like watches you, you know, wear on your wrist, wristwatch. I don't know if I'm going to give you the full 250 points if you can't give us the name of the watches. What was the name of the company? Ronco Watches. Two syllables that end in an O. You're basically right there, but we're looking for Wacko Watches. Wacko Watches, okay. I'll give you 245 because you basically had it. Dave Guerrero all over again. <laughs> You're mixing up syllables, but the gist, it's the heart you have it in there. And it, to be fair, it's a difficult one because it's not to be confused with Wacky Land pencils. Yes. Or Yahoo Soda. Just drink it. Something about Hey Arnold just really loved the watch as a crux of a plot line. If you remember the Sewer King episode. Yes. Had the giant arm filled with watches. He knew what time it was. If you want to watch a TV show where you can watch fourth graders battling a sewer cretin of a man that lives down there and collects discarded watches, nobody would want to miss that. So you should go watch Hey Arnold, season two, 
one of those episodes where he plays chess against the sewer king. Now, here's my question for you, Steve, before we got into the uh, persuasion round. Yes. Hey Arnold has an exclamation point at the end of the title. Does Smags have an exclamation point at the end of the title? What did you hear at the beginning of the episode? Chelsea specifically saying that indeed there is an exclamation point at the end of Smags. I'll let that speak for itself. And audience, I'll let you know that Frank came away with 810 Smag coins from round one. He's set up nicely as we move into the persuasion round. But first, a word for these messages. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. You're packing your bags, you're ready for a long road trip, maybe a flight, or even just a, a long day away from your home and away from dependable food sources. Do you bulk up on a meal ahead of time, hoping that it'll sustain you throughout the rest of the day? Well, that's just unpredictable because you don't know how much energy you're going to be exerting throughout the day. You'd rather feel more comfortable and confident that you have that energy resource to sustain you somewhere on hand. In fact, maybe something that could fit neatly in your pocket, available for quick and immediate access. Look no further than Kroger Toasty Peanut Butter Toasty Crackers with Peanut Butter Crackers. Six peanut butter cracker sandwiches come in a tight plastic wrapping. It can fit within any kind of front pocket, breast pocket, even a back pocket if you intend to be on your feet for most of the day. At 180 calories and 4 grams of protein, it's just enough that it's going to power you through any kind of long, withdrawn, near-starvation episode you may have. Don't be deceived by those statistics. One pack of peanut butter crackers can last a man for one week. One peanut butter cracker itself can last a man for five days. Stay healthy, America. Eat yourself some toasty peanut butter crackers. All right, and we're back, and we are diving right into the persuasion round, round two. Frank, you had a very strong performance in your persuasion round in the pilot. Let's see how you do with today's topic. We live in sort of a superhero age in terms of cinema and broader media. Comic book movies are very popular. The fans are becoming more and more acquainted with different kinds of superheroes. And yet the original superhero, the most famous superhero, Superman himself, is sort of being replaced in the public consciousness because he has never really had that one defining adaptation. Spider-Man has had popular movies, Iron Man, Batman. And sure, Superman had a popular movie in the 70s, but it didn't redefine the whole genre in the way that some of these other heroes have. So I want to ask you, why do so many adaptations get Superman wrong? Management? Is it consumer tastes? Is it even the superpowers and the superhero himself? What's wrong with why people can't get Superman and later on to get to suggestions how you could rehab him for a contemporary audience? So let me just start with how more or less he's been framed in the Zack Snyder era that I think is the most misrepresented he's been, which is, oh, he's too powerful. That's the criticism you always get. He's overpowered. He can do anything. He can fight anybody, defeat anybody, and therefore he's uninteresting. I truly think that that's missing the point. The basics of Superman are a person with a ton of power who is raised to be humble and compassionate by his Midwestern adoptive parents. And that once upon a time resonated with people. And that seemed to be the basis of Zack Snyder's criticism is that's not how people are. People are horrible and mean-spirited. I think that that's misreading the appeal. Certainly how I've always seen Superman in general and what I would really love to see 
in film. And maybe to your suggestion, we'll wrap up by kind of pitching what I think, the kind of movie I think would be good, mm -hmm. which is good can also be mighty. Good doesn't need to be, you know, weak or overpowered. It doesn't need to be the David and Goliath. Isn't it in some ways just as interesting, if not more interesting to say, this person given this incredible gift chose to help people with it, chose to do the right thing instead of the easy thing, to borrow a Dumbledore line. Dumbledore! One of the most interesting villains in Superman's rogues gallery is Lex Luthor. What is Lex Luthor? Lex Luthor is a corporate giant who exploits people, who exploits technology, who exploits people's trust in him, who frames himself as the hero, but he is not. And how does Superman frame himself? As mild-mannered Clark Kent, kind of the doofus, the one that Lois Lane pays no mind to. And yet he is really Superman, the one who could beat everyone. That's compelling that he hides in plain sight because he doesn't want people to worship him. He wants to protect them. And Lex Luthor wants all the esteem and the grandeur. And yet he offers them nothing except danger and exploitation. That is the natural villain of Superman. And that is constantly being kind of derided nowadays when we say like, oh, he's too powerful, as if power is necessarily a bad thing. There was a prominent diplomat, and I'm forgetting the name, um, suffice to say a U.S. diplomat said this, power doesn't corrupt, power reveals. Power reveals what you always wanted to do. Power revealed the goodness of Superman. And what he always wanted to do to protect people was to save people, was to do the right thing. We shouldn't toss that off like nothing, because that is important, because some people are entrusted with power in our society, and we should want them to be like Superman. And I know, you know, not all people are people of faith, but some people are. And you can say uh, God or Jesus Christ is a person with a lot of power who did the right thing, who sacrificed. That's a good thing. That's a powerful narrative, at the very least. How easy it is to scoff that off and deride it, but it's important to believe in good. It's vital. It gives us hope. And Superman gives us hope. Yeah, that there's like this sort of nobility in being a good person, doing the right thing, and it doesn't need to be dressed up in this sort of conflict. Oh, you know, you have to be moody. You have to be conflicted internally. And that's not to say that these stories aren't good. No one's saying that we don't want to see any Batman stories because there's some amazing Batman stories. Have, Absolutely. Right. Mining from that topic. And yet, like you said, it's this sort of flat rejection of the conceit of Superman that you need to remake him to make him more fitting and palatable to this Batman model. You know, Superman has different characteristics than other heroes, and it shouldn't be shied away from. Absolutely. And clearly who Zack Snyder was trying to shamelessly rip off was Christopher Nolan's view of Batman in his Dark Knight trilogy. And that was the more gritty, post 9-11 kind of view of Batman. And those movies are great. I like all of them, including Dark Knight Rises. But that's not Superman. My favorite Marvel movies are the Captain America movies. And what's so interesting about the Captain America movies is that he is the hero. 
unapologetically so. In complicated situations every time, but he's the hero. And we don't dislike him for it. We like him even more for it because we want a hero, certainly in our big blockbuster movies. And it's like, why shouldn't Superman, the person we can all look to as the hero we'd all like to be, if we had those powers bestowed on us, do we want to be the horrible tyrant? No, we want to be Superman. We want to be the person who looks out for the planet, who looks out for the world, looks out for the human race. And that's something to aspire to, to give us hope. The S stands for hope in my language. Like, nice line, Joss Whedon, but that could have been the theme of an actual good movie. I think that's what frustrates me the most. And quick digression, his powers aren't a problem. The idea that he can beat everyone so easily is problem. If you simply give him an interesting adversary, as they did all the time in the comics, then his powers aren't a problem, narratively speaking. Have Lex Luthor in, like, an Iron Man suit, and now he's equivalent. They did it with Batman versus Superman. Hey, Zack Snyder. Have Superman in a Iron Man Lex Luthor fight instead of Batman. Yeah, it's masking what makes him so distinct. And to your point, Captain America has sort of usurped that role in popular imagination. When you think of the, you know, the Boy Scout superhero, it gets laughed at in the Avenger movies, but it's, oh, it's Captain America. And that's always been what Superman's been. You know, he, generations of people before our generation, which is kind of being robbed of this ability to think this way because we've never really had a good Superman story. So instead, Captain America steps into that role and great for Captain America. It's just disappointing that Superman hasn't had that time to shine. And some of that can maybe even be attributed to not only a lackluster output of solo outings, but when they had this opportunity to put him in an ensemble situation, they couldn't highlight how he contrasts himself with other heroes. Where Captain America, you look at his sort of coming out party in the Avengers was really when he was stacked up against these other heroes. Now, I had my hand raised. I am one of the biggest fans of the first Avenger, the first Captain America movie you'll find. I love that movie, yeah. Exactly. But how you really see him progress as a character. What is he going to stand for in the modern situation of all these Marvel movies when he's removed from a World War II setting? It's the scene on the helicarrier when he's going back and forth with Tony Stark, and he sort of calls out Tony Stark for not being as virtuous a superhero as he might purport himself to be in his own mind and the way he carries himself. You know, true heroes sacrifice and are willing to make the tough choice. Big man in a suit of armor. Take that off. What are you? Billionaire philanthropist playboy was the big laugh. I've always loved the line afterwards, which is, I knew guys with none of that with 10 of you. And that crystallizes what the Superman yes. hero concept can be. And it's, it only shines when you get to see him against these other heroes. And what an exchange between Batman and Superman could have been if there wasn't this assumption by the filmmakers and the screenwriters that we wanted Batman to win against Superman, that we necessarily liked Batman more. What might have Superman told Batman about, like, this is pathological for you. I'm trying to help people. Your secret identity is a billionaire. My secret identity is a mild-mannered journalist. Like, who do you think you are? It's certainly an exchange I would like to see in film. Absolutely. It's comparing the reasons for heroism that at the end of the day, Bruce Wayne is struggling with the loss of his parents and how he can compensate for that as it's extended across an entire city. 
versus Superman, who's doing this virtuously, altruistically. There's no need that he needs to do this. He could fly back to the remnants of Krypton. He could fly out to some other planet. Why does he need to protect humans? That's a question that a movie should explore. I'm doing good. Uh uh Superman does good. You're doing well. And so to round out our persuasion round, I would like to at least pitch kind of in broad scope what a Superman move would be. Tell that origin story, but from mostly the Kent's perspective. Don't talk about Krypton at all. Let that be a mystery until maybe the second movie. And it's just person lands, there's a baby, they don't know what it is, it's slowly gaining power, and they're trying to guide him in the first act to do righteous things when he is an adolescent and trying to figure things out then decides to take on the persona of Clark Kent, to take on the identity of these people who always cared for him, and take on their view of the world, that we're going to be the helper. Even though we're not the strongest people in the world, we are just mild-mannered farmers from Kansas. And then instead of the kind of goofy rom-com type thing with Lois Lane, have us really engage with the idea that Clark loves Lois and yet chooses to be the fool to keep himself secret, even though she loves Superman and thinks Clark is just a nice guy. And yet he's more than happy to keep that a secret from her as Clark, because he's sacrificing his own happiness for the good of everyone, including Lois, and have Lex Luthor as almost a Tony Stark, as this person everyone thinks is cool, everyone thinks is awesome, is billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, and Superman shows him what a hero really is. A hero is not doing this for themselves. They're doing it for the people they're trying to help. It's about helping people. And maybe even have Lex Luthor in a big Iron Man suit as a way of saying, like, this is his great intellect against Superman's altruism. And he says, you know what? Good is on my side, and that's more powerful than whatever tricks you might have up your sleeve. And that's our big climax. That would be an awesome movie. And you know what? Warner Brothers, I'm, I'm ready to uh, write a treatment. Warner Brothers, you know where to find Frank. He's been on a couple episodes of Smags. Probably show up again in the future. So just come here. You'll find him. That was good. I would like to see that movie. So I like what you're selling. Thanks for coming back on Smags and sharing that with us. I'd like to reward you. For that pitch, and for that whole persuasion, 825 smag coins. Yes, that makes up for Dave Guerrero a little bit. We'll get Dave Guerrero on season two. Stay tuned, folks, and stay tuned for these next messages. The following skit is for comedic purposes only and does not reflect a sponsorship of the discussed product. The views and opinions expressed by this podcast are not endorsed by the following company. This is not a paid advertisement. Are you an ambitious young person? Are you working hard every day? Perhaps are you on your way to a CPA? Well, I have the product for you that's going to give you the energy, to give you the know-how, to give you everything you're going to need to be a successful person in the world, and that is peanut butter crackers. Yes, that's right, peanut butter crackers. Not cheese crackers, not jelly crackers, no, peanut butter crackers. They are the steroids of nature. There is nothing you can't do if you don't take a quick bite out of peanut butter crackers. They are the anti-kryptonite and go out and buy them as soon as you can. Any brand, doesn't matter. 
if you want to be like Superman, how about this? Take a bite of a peanut butter cracker, bam. You got that super, you got that man. Okay, we're back. We're zeroing in on the end of the show here, but before that, we are going to stop at the lightning round. So Frank, I'm going to give you this question. As soon as I finish speaking, the clock will begin, and I need you to give me as many answers as you can in that 45-second window. Every correct response you give will be worth 10 points. All right. So today, your prompt in the lightning round is, name for me as many current or former, so open as of today or closed sometime in the past, stores that you could find at Lakeside Mall. Begin. All right. Uh, Macy's, uh, Macy's for Men, Sears, JCPenney, Lord & Taylor, Banana Republic, um, Hot Topic, Spencer's Gifts, um, the Warner Brothers store, uh, going old school, uh, Disney store, um, uh, Mrs. Fields Cookies, um, what was that, uh, not TGF, Ruby Tuesdays, um, say, Oh, Abercrombie and Fitch, American Eagle. Oh, jeez. Oh, I had others. Hollister. How did I forget Hollister? Nice work, though, Frank. You came away with 12 correct answers on that for 120 additional smag coins. All right. The ones that I was not sure about is a Banana Republic. I don't know that they had a Banana Republic. They might not have. I might be conflating it with, like, a Tommy Bahama. Mm. Like, they had... Oh, Pack Sun. Pack Sun. Okay. And then Ruby Tuesday's restaurant. I think they did not have a Ruby Tuesday's, but people do forget they did have an Arby's at one point. Oh, wow. But mistake. Correction here from your Smags editors. In fact, Lakeside Mall had a Ruby Tuesday's at one time. An additional 10 Smag coins to Frank. Way back when. Just like way back when is when they had a Warner Brothers store. I don't know why that closed. Bring back the Warner Brothers store. That will get me back in the mall. Might have had something to do with Warner Brothers being such a unmitigated failure, as we were referencing in our persuasion round. We just bring everything together here on Smags like that. Just like we brought the entire season together, bookending it with a beginning chapter with Frank and a closing chapter with Frank. And I'd like to thank all you listeners out there, all you guests out there. Frank, thank you for playing and participating here with us on Smags. I hope you found it as rewarding as an experience as I did. It was an honor. I love this. It was an honor to put on season one for you guys. One more time, let's kick it on the leaderboard, see where Frank ends up. And until next time, signing off here on season one, regular season, your host, Steve. Mo, show us the leaderboard. In 14th, Frank from the pilot, 930. 13th, Jimmy, 1050. 12th, Danielle, 1055. 11th, Taylor, 1135. 10th, Jeff, 1175. 9th, Brad, 1300. 8th, Lizzie, 1314. 7th, Alyssa, 1525. 6th, Andy, 1671. 5th, Frank, 1765. 4th, Brian, 1785. 3rd, Alex, 1831. 2nd, Scott, 1870. And in 1st place, a Smags regular season, season 1 champion, Matt, with 1885. What an exciting, exhilarating, exuberant, exceptional, excellent, extravagant, exquisite, exceedingly enthusiastic, extraordinary, expensive, extemporaneous season it was. Thus concludes Season 1 of Smags. Ellipses.
or does it question mark? Stay tuned for special bonus content still forthcoming. S M A G S. I'm Frank and I got smacked. Exclamation point.